Last week we uh, finished our series at the movies and um, next week obviously is the opening of the new building and then we start our next series after that, Great Expectations. And so today is a kind of real standalone Sunday really. As I've been thinking and praying about today, uh, this is very specific what I want to share in terms of us as a church community and what we're about to enter into, okay? But I do think that there are a lot of... um, uh, truth in this that's very applicable in your own life as well. Certainly as I've been experiencing life in this last week, uh, a lot of stuff is very applicable uh, to what I've gone through um, this last week as well. And so thinking about uh, us crossing over, um, you know, going into this new season, um, uh, and opening the building and then with new staff coming on and Hagley up and running properly now and all of that, um, I was kind of thinking, what, what can I bring really? And then this phrase came to my mind, keep calm and stay focused. Anyone ever felt they needed that in their life? Yeah, keep calm and stay focused. One of these keep calm kind of things, really. I prefer the keep calm and eat cake myself, but we'll go with keep calm and stay focused. Because I think that when you are preparing to cross over, when you're preparing to transition, when you're preparing to enter a new season of life and experience with God, that process is a very... um, can be very unsettling, okay? And there's so many things can come at you. And the ability to stay focused on the right thing is tough in that moment. And we've been using... Um the last couple of years, we felt God speak to us about entering in. That was one of the themes that God gave us a few years ago. Uh, that as a church, we were going to enter into a new season and a new experience. And we talked about the difference between the wilderness experience and the Canaan experience. We did that a few years ago. And then we talked about the importance of focus. And we used that Will Smith film, uh, you know, the pickpockets where they, they, their whole premise is if they can distract you, they can take anything they want. How many of you know that when you're doing life, the enemy wants to distract you all the time. You get distracted so many different ways. And when he distracts you too much, he can take whatever he wants. The Bible says that Jesus said, I have come that you'd have life and life in all its fullness. But the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy. And that's a progression. Steal, kill and destroy. It gets worse. And what he does is he comes to take away uh, your peace and your confidence and your courage so that he can take other things from you. The ability to stay focused is absolutely crucial. And as a church, as we are beginning to enter into this new season, I'm utterly convinced that God has some amazing things for us as a church. And this whole building project has taken 12 years. Okay, it's not 40 years around the wilderness, but it's been 12 years. And it's been good and God has done some amazing things in our life. But it's taken a lot of courage, a lot of faith, a lot of endurance, a lot of prayer, and we're kind of getting there, which is exciting. So next week, we are going to celebrate, but we've got to stay focused on what's most important. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage of Scripture that the Lord keeps bringing us to time and time again from Joshua chapter 3, 4 and 5 and 6. This whole process of the children of Israel crossing over and crossing the Jordan and into the promised land. And on Tuesday night at Encounter, we looked at preparation and we looked at consecration. Um, We looked at commemoration and then we looked at circumcision didn't we? And we cut right to the chase there, men, didn't we? As we looked at circumcision and uh, we looked at that on a Tuesday night and you can get that on the podcast if you want to catch up. Um, But we're going to look at two questions this morning. The first question, why why are we waiting? And the second question, whose side are you on? Why are we waiting and whose side are you on? So why are we waiting? So it says in Joshua 3, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. 
After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. If I was in the, in, the, in the camp there with the guys, I'd say, look, we've been 40 years around the wilderness. We can see where we're going. Why are we waiting three more days? Why are we waiting? Are we there yet? Anyone ever heard their child say that? Are we there yet? Why are we waiting? And um, one of the reasons I think we're waiting is so we get our focus right. Because Joshua says, you know, when you see the ark moving out, then you follow it. And you keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits, which is about half a mile. Now, now that's important, okay? Some background. The Ark of the Covenant, if you've watched Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Ark, you'll know all about it. But you could read the Bible and find out a little bit about it, okay? Rather than that. The Ark of the Covenant was basically a box and inside the box was everything that the Israelites valued in terms of their relationship with God. The, the, the tablets in there uh, were the tablets that Moses wrote the Ten Commandments on speaks of the law of God. Then there was the manna, uh, which was God miraculously fed them. Then there was Aaron's staff, which miraculously grew and burst into life, even though it was dead. On top of the box lid was um, called the mercy seat, was some cherubim, some angels. It all spoke about the manifesto, the actual presence of God among them. Now, here's the thing. That was a box. We know you can't keep God in a box. Isn't that right? But that box is important because that box was symbolic of the presence of God. Joshua's saying, whenever you're going forward with him, you've got to keep the presence of God in your gaze. You've got to keep your focus on God. You've got to keep your focus on him. And of course, that's all typology, the Bible calls it. It's all foreshadowing of who is to come, Jesus, who is the presence of God on the earth. So Jesus is the law. Jesus is, the, he said, I'm the bread of life. Jesus is the resurrection of life. Everything in the box was in the person of Jesus. Our focus, guys, as we move forward as a church and as you move forward in your life has got to be on Jesus. Sounds so simple, but it's absolutely true, isn't it? Our focus has got to be on Jesus. And the reason that there was a distance between them was this, not only because of the respect, because sometimes, you know, we treat Jesus like he's our best mate and he is our friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but he's still the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He still deserves our respect and our reverence, doesn't he? So that's the distance. The other reason I think there was a distance is that they wanted all of the people to be able to see and follow the Ark of the Covenant. The most important thing as we move forward is that we keep pursuing the presence of Jesus. We've got to keep the presence of Jesus central and, and, and central and in front and a focus as we move forward together. A guy called Jonathan Edwards, not the triple jumper, okay, but another guy. He said this, the task of every generation is to discover the direction in which the sovereign redeemer is moving and then go in that direction. You know, as a leadership, we're going to be meeting on Wednesday night and we're going to be praying in the new building and around the new building. And as a leadership, our task, and we take this very seriously, God, what are you saying to us? What direction are you moving in? And we want to follow that. 12 years ago, we felt God say, go on this crazy thing about redeveloping the building, buy new buildings as if we didn't have enough. We got a 66,000 square foot one, buy new buildings, develop. But we felt and we sensed this is God. And as we stepped out, we didn't quite know what it would look like. We've been down lots of different roads, lots of different tracks, but we felt where God has been leading and moving. And on the, in the process, we've grown as a church, haven't we? We've grown and we've matured. 
And on next weekend, we're going to celebrate not the end of the story, but the turning of a chapter of that story. But the most important thing is which way is God moving and then follow him. We've got to keep his presence at the heart of who we are as a church. That's so, so, so important. And then you think, though, that, that having got into the promised land, that then they would get to enjoy the land flowing with milk and honey and they'd just have a great holiday, wouldn't you? Yeah, wrong. Because the very next thing that they do when they cross the Jordan is they have their biggest battle of all and they need to take down some walls that shouldn't be there. Now, I don't want to read too much into the Bible, okay, because that would be wrong. But it's interesting, as we as a church go into the new building in House Owen, you know, for, for us in House Owen, just, just on our site here, as we move in next week, we will celebrate, we will enjoy that, but we have a lot of other battles to fight. And one of them is we've got to knock those walls down. We've got to take down those walls of the old building somehow because that's separating us out from where I think God wants us to be. So we, it, it, when I look at this, I think, wow, the very first thing they did in the land flowing with milk and honey was they had a big battle. How many of you know life is full of battles, isn't it? It really is. And if I didn't know that was true, I really do know it this week. You know, one of the things, and I don't want to try and, I want to try and get this really right and not, and not be too spooky or try and read too much into things. But when you're moving forward in your life, there will be resistance from the enemy. We don't talk about the enemy much because we don't want to give him value. We want to give Jesus value. But there is an enemy, isn't there? There is an enemy of our soul. There is an enemy of the work of God in our lives. When you're moving forward, you've got to expect some backlash. When a whole church is moving forward, you're going to get some backlash. And sometimes that backlash will come at the leaders. At the leaders. The Bible says, strike the shepherd, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. This week has been a crazy week for us. Crazy week for us as leaders. And I want to just share a few things. I can't share all of it with you because some of it is very personal to, to different ones of the leaders. But I want to share some of it that I can. So on, um, <laughs> on Monday morning, I was in the gym, honestly, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, at eight o'clock, I was on the weight machine. <gasps> that was me. And, I, and my phone went. And I thought, who on earth is phoning me at eight o'clock on Monday morning? We have Monday morning off. So who's phoning me? And it was Stuart Hills, our project manager has been managing the building. This was on Monday morning. And he said, the new building's been broken into. And so on Sunday night, somebody drove a van around the Birmingham Street car park and they broke in the new building wrecked the door, pulled the fence down, walked past thousands of pounds worth of equipment that was about to be installed, walked past that, went into the kitchen, stole the new cooker, stole some other things out of there, dragged it out the fire exit and dragged it across the fence that they'd, that they'd ripped down. Now, my first inclination, my first question was, uh, you know, have they trashed the building? Because we're two weeks out from opening, have they trashed the building? They hadn't trashed the building, which is good. Okay, and, and so it's fine in that sense. But in that moment, and this is how the week started, this was Monday, it, the enemy comes to steal your peace, doesn't he? You're already quite het up. You know, it's a big thing. We've been in it 12 years. So that was the first thing. That, so, that, so that was fine and whatever. And actually, what was really important in that is that when I walked into the office, and I shared this in devotions, I didn't say this at the first service. When I walked in the office, uh, the, people could, the other staff could see that I wasn't quite myself. and said, what's happened? And I told them, and interestingly, Sam, our new kids pastor, says, let's pray. Straight off, let's pray. That's great leadership on his count because that's the right thing to do. Me, on the other hand, I wanted to find out who they were and flipping knock them out. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Not the right thing. Keep calm and stay focused was not in my heart. But God used him to focus me and that was the right thing to do. I'm grateful for that. 
Grateful for that. So that was Monday. Tuesday, we had a great encounter. I mean, who was here at Encounter on Tuesday? I had a great time. The sense of God's presence was great. I was talking about going into the promised land, talking about the fact that you might expect some backlash. During the worship, Alice and my wife felt these words come to her head. Someone in our family is going to get hit. And she didn't tell me that till the next day. And, um, and she's trying to battle with that, thinking, is that just me? Is that just irrational fear? Is that the enemy? Is that God what? And so we went to bed on Tuesday night, having had a great encounter, feeling really focused on the Lord. On Wednesday morning came uh, staff devotions. It was great having the whole staff team here for the first time with the new guys. And we had a brilliant time. We sat down over there for our first meeting as a staff team. Got a phone call from the home where Simeon, my youngest, who's in residential care, you know he's got needs, uh, special needs and learning disability. He'd had a seven and a half minute seizure on Wednesday morning. He was completely unresponsive for four and a half minutes, rigid. And then a further three and a half minutes in the recovery position. We spent most of Wednesday in A&E with Simi. And, and for us, it's like he's only had one seizure before, which was two years ago, three weeks after the fire. He doesn't have any seizures for two years. He has a seizure two weeks before we open the new building. I don't want to be spooky about it, but it's crazy. It's crazy. But for us, it's like that's our biggest area of vulnerability is around Simeon. And of course, that has hit us hard this week. Several of the other elders this week have had things happen in their lives, which I can't talk to you about and won't. But it's almost like we know we're in a battle. I don't want to be too spooky about it. Life happens. Lots of things happen. But folks, I want you to know we are moving forward as a church and the enemy doesn't like that. The enemy doesn't care if we just stay for ourselves. Listen, there's loads of people here. Brilliant. We could just say, let's just stay here and worship, you know, and we'll worship God and we'll just be Christian together. But the fact is, that's not enough for us because we want to see how Zoe and Hagley and the area won for Jesus, don't we? And when you step forward into enemy territory, there's going to be a backlash. That's why some things happen. We need to be alert on that. But one of the things we need to do is we need to keep calm and we need to stay focused. And I was glad this week for people like Sam and others who helped me to stay focused. Maybe one day I'll help you or them to stay focused. But together, we have to stay focused on Jesus. We will have battles to face. When we get there, okay, when we get there, wherever there is, there will be Jerichos. There will be battles to face. We have to stay focused. And when it comes to stay focused, there's a question that we need to ask. And it's this, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Listen to this. In Joshua 5, when Joshua was near Jericho, it's this big battle he's going to fight. He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Listen, you ever meet a large figure that looks angelic, okay, with a drawn sword, it's either good news or bad news, isn't it? And uh, th this, this character here is actually um, what's called technically a theophany or a Christophany. It's a pre-incarnate, using big words here, right? It's, it's a before Jesus was born, appearance of Jesus, okay? That's what it is. So before Jesus was born as a baby, this was God, kind of, this was Jesus being on the earth as an appearance, as an angel, okay? Basically, this is Jesus. And so Joshua meets this guy, and big guy, cool guy, with a sword, please be on our side. And he asks this question, whose side are you on? 
That's, that's what he's saying. And, and the answer comes back, neither. You see, Jesus doesn't come to take sides. Jesus comes to take over. Jesus doesn't come to take sides. Jesus comes to take over. And some of our songs don't help us because some of our songs say God is on our side. And of course, He is on our side. He is with us. But that gives us the impression that whatever we're doing, God's on our side. The question isn't, is God on our side? The question is, are we on His? And before Joshua goes out for his first big battle, he has to get this focus right. It isn't God, will you be on my side? It's no, no, actually, I am going to be on your side. Because when you get your focus right, you realise that the battles you face, they're not about your battles, they're His. The enemies that you face aren't about your enemies, they're His. And when we're on His side, His enemies become our enemies and His battles become our battles. Because it's not that He's on our side, it's that we're on His. Does that make sense? So this man with the drawn sword is Jesus and he's not come to take sides. He's come to take over. He's come to take over. You know, it's not for, for Joshua to claim God's allegiance for his cause, no matter how holy or how good it is. And, and you know, I think there's great comfort in that because if it's all about me, then I'm in trouble. See, I think sometimes Jesus says, hey, I want to take over, but you won't get out the driving seat. You won't get out the driving seat. If you want to take control for your life, if you want to take control for your direction and all that, knock yourself out. Go for it. But if you want to move out, out of the driving seat and let me, then actually I think we'll have a better drive. And interestingly enough, Hudson Taylor was a great missionary that went out to China hundreds of years ago. He said this, there are three ways to serve the Lord. One is to do what you want to do and hope that it works out. The other is to do what you want to do and ask God to bless it. The third is to find out what God wants to do and expect Him to bless it. How many of you know, I'll take the third, wouldn't you? Let's take the third. God, what do you want to do? And expect Him to bless it. And what Joshua does is he comes to this moment when it's not about him, it's about Jesus. It's not about him being on the throne, it's about Jesus. Somebody at the first service came out and shared this with me. They said this. The problem is with, with what we've done. A throne only has room for one person. What we've done is we've created a bench. And so what we've done is we've created a bench. So I'm on it and Jesus, will you come and sit on it and somebody else? But actually, it's never meant to be a bench. It's meant to be a throne. And only one person is meant to be on the throne and that's Jesus. And can I just say, as an aside, I think we've got a little bit of a crisis in the Western church there. That's not being dramatic at all, is it? We've got a crisis in the Western church right now. We have. I read a lot of research, a lot of sociology, a lot of stuff around church and what's going on in the Western world. We have got a crisis and the crisis is this, that simply this, we have a new world order. It's not that we're eradicating God, but we're enthroning self. It's not that we don't want faith anymore. It's that what we don't want, we don't want, we don't, we see, we want the solace of faith, but we don't want the cost, the constraints or the commitment. We don't want that. Because what we've done in the Western church is we put ourselves on the throne and we add faith to it and we add God to our life rather than saying, actually, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And we're facing a real crisis. We're in a post-Christian world which is attempting to move beyond Christianity while still feasting on its fruits. And you see, the problem is we love the idea of kingdom as long as we don't have to submit to a king. And I don't think we like monarchy really. We do in a nostalgic way, some of us. But the idea that there is a person that we would submit to, we don't like that because we're the kind of people that want to be on the throne. Am I right? And that's our problem. 
And what we need to do, guys, as a church and as individuals is we need to maybe get off the throne and invite him to sit on it again. Or maybe let's ditch the bench and let's go back to a throne. You know, because actually when we get our focus right, that he is on the throne, that we are the ones who are submitting to him, our life will take a whole different meaning. You know, Joshua responds in this moment with worship and submission. And he takes off his shoes because that place has become holy ground. And it's a sign of servanthood and submission. You know, when, when the church moved into this building for the first time in 1986, there were about 150 people in this massive building, rattled around for a few years. And in the, at the front there in the old auditorium, which was destroyed by the fire, when they had their first service there in 1986, and they sang that Graham Kendrick song, May the Fragrance of Jesus Fill This Place, they were all encouraged to take their shoes off, to say this is holy ground. And uh, there's a sense in which that submission and that reverence is the right focus, isn't it? Because we're reminding ourselves that we're not on the throne, it's Him. And um, I want to just finish by saying there are four things that Joshua discovered, which we need to discover through this whole process. Number one, he discovered that he was not alone. He discovered that he was not alone. He's out at night looking at the battle and he meets, this, he meets Jesus. And he discovers in that moment, he's not fighting the battle alone. Isn't that good news? You know, we've got some folks in the church who are fighting incredible battles right now. Really big, traumatic health situations. Now, I don't know how that will turn out. We don't know that. But however it will turn out, we don't fight it alone. It's good news, isn't it? Secondly, he discovered that he wasn't in charge. The leader met the Lord and he discovered that he wasn't in charge. And this is a battle that I have to fight all the time. When I have to come to realise, Jesus, it isn't my church. It isn't our church. It's your church and you said you'd build it. And you're a much better builder than I am and than we are. Thirdly, he discovered um, that he could stand on holy ground wherever he was on the journey. You know, when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow or college tomorrow, that can be holy ground as well because God is there with you. He is there with you. And finally, he discovered that he'd already won the battle that he was about to fight. He'd already won the battle he was about to fight. It says in Joshua 6, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. It's already won. You just need to go out and fight it. It's already won. You just need to go out and fight it. I haven't come to take sides. I've come to take over. If you'll let me, let me build the church. Let me fight your battles. Let me do it through you. It isn't Christ and you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You hear that? It's not Christ and you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have to get our focus on Jesus as we move forward. And what we're going to do, I'm going to invite the band to come back up. We're going to do something else that Joshua and the people did before they crossed over. Yes, there was the consecration and there was the, the commemoration and the circumcision. But then they took a meal together, the Passover meal, where they remembered what God had done in the past. For us, that's communion. And what we're going to do this morning is our final time here in this space, which has become holy ground for us because God's here and we're here in His name. We're going to take communion together. And as we take communion, I want to encourage you and invite you to get your focus right again on Him. Maybe, maybe you've allowed yourself to become on the throne of your life. Maybe your whole life has become about you. You know, one of the things, you know, oh, I don't want to go into One of the things with Simeon, you know, we, we don't ever ask God, 
Yeah, we do ask sometimes God why. We don't ever ask God why in terms of his condition and that because, because why not? So we know that. Sometimes we ask why because of timing. But one of the other reasons that's so important for us when we ask the why question is, is what do you want to do through this? Because my life isn't about me. It's about you. How do you want to receive glory out of this situation in my life? How are you best honoured out of this really horrible situation? Because my life isn't about me, it's about you. But there are times when I find myself edging him out a bit and creeping onto the throne and it does all become about me and then it's why me and poor me and all of that stuff. But actually when on the throne is Jesus, that's a whole different focus to your life. Because God doesn't exist for my happiness. God is really concerned with our holiness, isn't he? And he's not concerned so much with all of that, although he is, he is. But actually when Jesus is on the throne, then actually the whole perspective changes and we can stay focused. So what we're going to do is the guys are going to come. If you could come now, please, the guys. And they're going to open up the table and just take the cloth off. And what we're going to do is we're going to invite you to come and to take communion this morning. We're not going to serve you. We're going to invite you to come. There's two at the front and there's two at the back. And as you do that this morning, and as we worship and as we reflect, then, then maybe individually you want to just take a moment just to bow the knee again, just to take off your shoes again, just to say, hey, Jesus, it's not about me. It's about you. I want to stay focused on you. The battle I face in my life, it isn't about my battle. It's your battle. And actually, you said that you'll fight it in me and through me. So I want to focus on you, not on the battle, not on the size of the walls, but on the size of our God. One of the reasons I think that Joshua, uh, that God told Joshua to march them around the walls 13 times was so they could see it from every different perspective and they'd know it was too big for them. Then they, hey, all right, yeah, I got it. This is too big. It's got to be you. To get our perspective right. Listen to this. Psalm 1, 2, 3. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord our God for His mercy. Just as servants keep their eyes on their master and a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. We keep our eyes on you. 2 Chronicles 24. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now He is seated in the place of honour besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility He endured from sinful people so that you won't become weary and give up. Maybe some of us have given up this morning. Maybe some of us have become weary. But as we take communion, as we eat and drink, let His power, let His life fill you again with hope and courage and focus as we worship Him. Let's pray. Why don't we stand together? Let me pray. And then we want to invite you to come and to take communion. And we'll keep it down and quiet so we can take communion, take time, and then it will lift at the end as we celebrate but just for a few minutes let's just breathe and let's just take the moment to come around the cross to come around the table we're coming around the presence of Jesus and saying Lord Lord forgive me where I have made myself 
the ruler of my life. Lord, there's only one throne and there's only one person worthy of sitting on the throne and that's You. So Jesus, as we join now with thousands and millions of people that will be doing this all across the world, as we link back, Lord, and we, we go right the way back, right the way back to those people that took Passover and to those early Christians that ate this meal together in homes and in the temple courts. As we go back, as we go across, we're also going forward. And Lord, we want to keep you as our focus as we move forward. And now, Lord, as we eat and drink, God, would you, sat, would you fill us with your life and your power? And Lord, I pray that as we move forward as a church, that we would cross over, we would enter into all that you have for us, but we would stay focused on who this is all about. This isn't about a new building. It's not about a new name. It's not about a new location. It's all about Jesus. It's all about you, God. So God, will we stay focused as we move forward together, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to come. Maybe this time I want to come here. You guys want to come over here. And then at the back, there's two at the back as well. So just go eat and drink and we'll worship as we do that.